0: Hello, Creative Cutie. It's time for another creative check in. And this one has to do with patience and how to enjoy the journey. Now, when people tell me it's not the journey, it's the destination. Oh, wait, I even got it wrong when I was trying to say it. That's how I feel about it. Basically, when people say it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, it makes me want to punch them in the face because. I believe it or not, as as zen and as patient as I am with other people, I'm incredibly impatient with myself and my own life. It's one of my great lessons that I feel like I'm on earth to learn. But it kind of came to a head this week when I was in therapy. And I just have been realizing my lack of patience in general in life lately, but it appears in all areas, obviously, like wherever you go, there you are. And it especially has been coming up with food. Like when I drink a hot drink from Starbucks, even though I know it is going to burn my tongue, I can't wait. I have to drink it right away. And then I walk around with a scalded tongue all day and I'm like, why did I do that? But then again, the next morning, burned tongue, same thing. So, you know, as everybody knows, that's a definition of insanity. So I'm like, I better bring this to Jessica. Shout out to Jessica, my amazing therapist. And... She did this amazing exercise with me, and I highly, highly encourage if you struggle with patience or struggle with enjoying the journey, I encourage you to try this. So she had me take a chocolate, a piece of dark dove chocolate that was wrapped in my hand, and I had to explore every nook and cranny of the chocolate. So I had to really look at it, take in every aspect of its packaging, I felt it i i like took she had me go through every sensation so i literally listened to the chocolate i felt it i smelled it and then i had to do the next layer so i slowly unwrapped it and then i looked at the chocolate and, and then i took little bites bite by bite and this whole process took like 5 minutes i would normally take 5 seconds to eat a piece of chocolate but it kind of blew my mind because i realized By rushing through to the end goal of food or anything in life, we actually miss the end goal because those pieces leading up to it take a lot more time, more effort, and are absolutely necessary to get there. And of course, I've like consciously known this all these years, but it never really clicked with me that I could enjoy those moments leading up to it and find the joy. In those moments, just as much as in eating the chocolate and that if I took longer to get to that last bite of chocolate, it was actually so much more enjoyable than if I had just gulped it down and eaten it like a barbarian. So I'm trying really hard to do that in every area of my life now. It's still super painful for me. But if I don't enjoy the journey, then when I get to the end goal, it's going to be like, oh, that's it because I was torturing myself for the whole journey. So I guess I'm going to try really hard not to feel like I want to punch someone in the face the next time they say that to me. (laughs) And I'm going to really try to convince myself that the journey is worth it because I got to tell you, taking five minutes to open up that piece of chocolate did make that chocolate so much better. So... If I can start doing that with my journey to become a full-time creative in all of the areas that I'm passionate about, then I think it's going to mean so much more when I get there. So there you go. Take a while to open a piece of chocolate or do that with anything in your life that you find yourself being impatient with. Try to find the joy in the time it takes to get there. All right. Now to the creative of the week. She is our community member. Lindsay Huss, aka Hung by a Thread. She's a fashion designer, artist, mental health advocate, poet, badass mama, and construction industry professional. In 2008, she lost her job in the fashion industry, found out she was pregnant, and later decided to stay at home and focus on her son with high-functioning autism and ADHD. Since then, she's left a toxic marriage, sought therapy, become a mental health advocate, been a full-time caregiver to her children, and been a woman in a male-dominated industry. She did all of that while simultaneously pursuing her creativity through her project Hung by a Thread, where she shares her writing and art. I wanted to feature her because she's an incredible example of strength, resilience, talent, and the power of creativity to heal our wounds. Beyond that, her work is so honest, beautiful, and unique. She's an incredible woman and an incredible artist, and I urge you to go follow her at HungbyAthread blog and shop and by going to hungbyathread.com. Now to our guest. Thera Viva is an actor, director, and photographer, best known for her acting work on Unreal, Lucifer, Supernatural, Bates Motel, and for creating Bite the Bullet stories. Farrah began her career in arts in New York as a designer and fashion show coordinator. She worked with brands such as Diane van Furstenberg, Oscar de la Renta, and Paris Hilton. Despite her success and the quote-unquote cool nature of her job, Farah was miserable. So much so that she got sick both physically and emotionally. And she realized she had this yearning in her heart to act. But when I was in New York, I kept seeing actors
1: that were well-known and I'd happened to be at the same venue as them. And I saw them as real people. And it really, really clicked for me that we're all the same. They just went after what they really wanted to do. And the difference was like the
0: path they took. And it just, it was a mirror in my face that I was on the wrong path. So she quit fashion, moved back to Vancouver, and started pursuing acting and photography. These days, she works as a professional actress with a diverse resume in film and television and is one of Canada's most sought-after portrait photographers. In May of 2018, she created a photography project called Bite the Bullet Stories, which features celebrities, social influencers, and everyday people biting the bullet to share their personal hardships, triumphs, and determination for change. Ever the Chameleon and the Globetrotter, In 2019, Farah moved to L.A. so that she could conquer a new terrain. And I met her a few days after she moved here, and let me just say, so far so good. She's already killing it in this new land. I wanted to have Farah on the show because she's an incredible example of the link between bravery and vulnerability. You can't have one without the other, and Farah has both down to a T. From our conversation, you'll learn how to ask for creative help, the importance of following yeses, how your health and creativity are intertwined, tips for making a big move, and the truth about funding your dreams. Now here she is, Farrah Viva. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and my honor, and I'm so interested and obsessed with all the different work you do. And, and before we get into this, I just want to say it's a rainy day in Los Angeles, so you might hear a little drip drop, but it's a nice ambient noise that will relax you as we talk about unleashing our creativity. It's a spa day. It truly is. I feel relaxed already. So something I often like to start out with is asking my guests what they think makes a person creative.
1: Well, I think that varies from person to person. I feel like you're diving into it question that I ask my soul all the time and have a lot of torment with. This is my perspective. It's not necessarily what the truth is. I think some people are born as creatives where it is just pouring out of their soul to the point that they can't help but pick up a pen and paper and either draw or write or get on stage. And like, it's just coming out of them. I didn't have that. Like, I always knew I wanted to create, but I can't draw and I can't, you know, like the typical art forms. But what I think makes me a creative and what I think makes people last as creatives is a desire or more so a need to make change through their work and like have an impact. And once the way I found my way into art and and what makes me last through all the troubles that come along with art because it's not always easy or creative endeavors is – you want to make a difference. And so finding like, how can I create something and leave an impact? And that can vary through, through everything. I mean, I'm sure an accountant feels that way.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's my thing. Creative accounting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Has <laughs> to happen. I love that. Looking back, you said you didn't always feel innately growing up, innately creative growing up because of the way our culture defined creativity. But looking back on it, if you trace your life, what was the first creative spark?
1: Oh, I mean, it's, I say it's a typical story because I thought I was so unique until I heard everyone else have <laughs> this story. But uh, we had a little video camera growing up and I just remember putting on, well, first I'd put on little like plays for my parents and have friends come over and then I'd get this video camera and me and my friends would... Reenact soap operas. Uh, but yeah, just doing that storytelling through a camera. I would die to watch those because, in the moment, I don't think I've ever been so tapped into a creative moment as when I was a kid creating those. Like, there was no voice in my head saying this is good or this is bad. You mm-hmm. just kept feeding off of what felt good in the moment. And that's when I knew I was a creative. And then, you know, you get into your head from academics and what your friends are doing and what's the right thing to do. And it took me uh, until I got out of school, out of high school. To re-own
0: it and uh, get back into the creative life that I think my soul always wanted. So, a lot to break down there. One <laughs> thing is you say that that was the time when you didn't judge yourself. You just flowed in creativity. Mm-hmm. How do you tap back into that little girl's psyche to bring that through in your work today? That is something
1: I've really tapped into this year. and I'm, And I think I have... Figured it out in an essence. Like I, I am a bit of a perfectionist, uh, which inhibits you from creating. And what I've really learned out of when things start getting too fast and you don't have time to make things perfect, especially with a photo shoot, and you have so many things to organize, you're forced to just be like, "No, I got this," and just show up underprepared for what you'd like to be. And that's when the magic happens. So it's, um, I think, having confidence in yourself and just shutting up your head and listening to your. Gut. And that is how I've kind of found my way back to that child of like, you're being guided by something much bigger than your own negativity
0: in your head. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or positivity in your head. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, I mean, it's like if, you, if it was all positive, we wouldn't have to work for it. So yeah, you do have to find ways to quiet those voices. Sometimes literally saying stop works, I found. When my my head is spinning too far down the path of negativity and disbelief in myself I will actually tell my mind to shut up it's so good yeah you have to it's so something's got to stop the pattern so yeah the literal word stop sometimes works it does yeah but one other thing um you talked about you know you were little and you would do plays for your parents did your parents encourage that creativity in your life and if somebody doesn't have someone in their life like their parents who encouraged their creativity how can they overcome that
1: uh, my parents encouraged it to the point that they knew how, in the sense I'm the youngest of three, I have three older sisters. And so I think by the time it got to me, like I was a very easy kid and I think they are just like, oh, Ferris having fun. And then, uh, I grew up in a smaller town and then I moved to Vancouver, which is in Canada. And when I first moved there, I would look, I was like 12 years old and I was looking through the newspaper for auditions and plays and like, you and know, this the is classified of high school? section. No, this is when I was like in grade six or grade oh, seven. wow. Yeah. And so I didn't, but my parents didn't know anything about the business of like, oh, you should get an agent or you should take classes. And so it never really went further than that. I think I did background work a couple of times and then I just let it all go because I felt like, and I think it's a small town thing or maybe even a Canadian thing, which is you think that the opportunity has to be presented to you or you also don't want to take too much of... What's good? Like you should be, I guess, polite. I don't know. It's a weird thing that's ingrained, and so I always felt like no matter what creative endeavor it is, it was gifted to you. Almost like it's like those stories in Seventeen magazine of someone. Well, I was walking down the street, and this agent approached me, and I was discovered. No matter if it was a musician, modeling, acting, and so I legitimately thought that's how it happened. And as silly as it sounds, I didn't realize it until I was uh, eighteen or nineteen that no, you create your own destiny. And so how do people find it if their parents aren't helping them? I, I mean, I only know through how I did. It's like a, a need within you
0: to do it and you find your way through it. It's interesting, too, you talk about your culture and how that could have inhibited you. And I think a lot of different cultures have a lot of different restrictions. Like that one's coming from kindness, which is really sweet. But how do you overcome those cultural norms and cultural barriers when they're kind of putting a block between you and what you want?
1: I don't know if it's an anxiety, but it's like a need to overcome it. And I don't – I know – I've never thought to myself, how do I overcome this? Uh, it's just I have to overcome it because that's when I feel my happiest. Like it's a weird – it's just like there's a compass within you and being like, you have to go this direction and you don't even know you want to go that direction. I actually want to go east and it keeps telling me to go north. And so you're like, ah, and pulled and pulled and pulled. All I can say is like, it, I guess maybe in, in my case, it was just in me. It was just So listening. Drive to yourself.
0: Listening to yourself and following it and not letting those outside voices that aren't your own true north inhibit what you know to be true. Yes. I got it. Okay.
1: You make me sound so good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just like to break it down to make sure that I'm understanding and synthesizing. So, and the audiences. So, okay. You recently moved from LA or from Canada to LA. And I think that whenever somebody purposely displaces themselves, you have to want, your creativity or your your dreams so much more than someone who just stays in the homestead. Mm-hmm. So what are your tips for somebody who's looking to make a big move, whether it's from state to state or from another country to another country? How do they get the courage? And just like what actual like, logistical tips do they need?
1: So anytime I've made a move in my life, I moved to New York when I was 19. I started working in the fashion industry and that was just my first break into I want to be creative and what kind of creative outlet can I have that was still respectable, kind of there was a business side to it. So I decided fashion designer. I get to like draw things but also be a business person and it, you know, because – acting and photography, that's not real. That's like kids play, you know? Okay, so I moved to New York, moved back to Vancouver, moved to New York, and now I'm in LA. And anytime I've made these moves in my life, I get this ability to look around me, uh, and I feel like I've plateaued or reached the ceiling. my excitement for what can happen tomorrow kind of disappears, and I decide I need to move elsewhere. And when you first move, so it's exciting. Like, hey, I'm going to move. I'm going to start a new life. I'm going to go here. And then when you land... It is so scary. I don't know if you're allowed to swear on here. Oh but yeah, like, say it. It is scary as shit. Like you you feel raw and, and worse than naked. You're like, your insides are on the out and everything you feel. And I'll talk about like what I'm going through right now. And I actually had a conversation with someone yesterday with advice that I'm going to follow that I would love to pass on. But six months before I moved here. It's like when I get to LA, I'm going to do this, this and that, and this is why I'm moving, and it's clear, and like, <laughs> and everything made sense as to what I was going to do. Four months, yes, I'm going to do this. Should I email this person now? Should I start setting this up? Should I contact this agency? Should I contact this like uh, this club? Should I do this? And then, as things get closer and closer and closer, you start being like, oh my god, what am I? How what? I'm going to be there in two weeks. Like, what am I going to do? I want to hit the ground running. And then all of a sudden you feel like, is this what I really want to do with my life? And it's a really weird, you have to evaluate yourself and what you're doing because it has become so real. And so that's what I was battling because I know exactly what I want to do here. But when you're imagining moving to a new city, I think you're imagining it of like, after you're two-year plan has succeeded you're like and and so there's like this weird thing of like oh my god no I am still just me and you feel extra vulnerable uh and so I got here last week and a lot of people were like just relax there like take it day by day so one good tip once you do land somewhere (laughs) is uh do one thing every day that's towards what you want to achieve whether, no matter how small or big, like reach out to someone you admire and see if they'll have coffee with you. Or if someone invites you to see something, just say yes, even if you don't want to say yes, or send that email or build your resume or, you know, just one thing every day. But the advice I got yesterday that just made me feel so silly for not realizing this myself is, uh, to follow the yeses. And there is something very special and magical that happens when you take yourself out of a comfortable environment, uh, out of your own element. And I swear, there's like, I always feel like it's like a two-month period where everything opens up to you and you have an opportunity just to follow the yeses. So why am I here right now was actually because last week, a friend of mine, Jessica, I was like, oh, come over. And I was like, oh, you know, I'd really like to just stay in bed and work on my video that I have to get out next week. And I was like, no, just go out. It's good to get out. And that's how I met Ashley, who then met you and, you know, who knows you. And it's like, and that's happened a few times already this week. So you just
0: follow the yeses, just go. And if someone says, oh, I have an opportunity for you, just say yes. That is fantastic advice, whether you're moving or not, Mm -hmm. you know, because if, if I'm just like taking your advice in my life, I came out here to act originally too, but if I had gotten the success that I wanted with acting, I never would have written a song. I never would have produced a podcast. I never would have hosted a podcast. I am starting to become a business owner. I never would have done that. I just would have gone to set and read scripts and that would have been amazing, but I never would have known that my life could be more. Mm -hmm. So when you follow those yeses, when they are authentic and in your truth, yes. You end up creating such a bigger life for yourself.
1: Yes, so I agree.
0: that's fantastic advice. Yeah. One thing that I think is so interesting about you, though, is so you chose to do fashion design because you thought it was more practical. So, But did you in your heart always know that you wanted to do something else when you were in that field? Yeah. So what broke me when I was in New York, it was one of those weird
1: things of I just got amazing jobs when I was there and got to work with huge labels like... Oscar de la Renta, Paris Hilton. Like I I did the like prototype design for her, the launch of her new shoe and handbag line. And I was a 20-year-old. I had zero fashion experience. Yeah, maybe 19 even. Like I had – I was just faking it till I made it. I remember going – answering some Craigslist ad uh, for a job. And I said – I did like six months. No, I did a year of like – community college fashion design. Like I did not know what I was doing. I failed sewing school in high school. And I just decided I'm going to be a fashion designer. And that's what I decided to do. So I went for these jobs. And then I ended up getting to do designs for, for shoes and handbags for a lot of different companies. So what happened was I was in New York doing what I thought was like so respectable. And I felt so confident. Anytime I'd meet someone, like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I was just in China designing this la 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 la. But when I was in New York, I kept seeing actors that were well-known and I'd happened to be at the same venue as them. And I saw them as real people. And it really, really uh, clicked for me that we're all the same. They just went after what they really wanted to do. And the difference was like the path they took. And it just, it was a mirror in my face that I was on the wrong path. And I had a mini meltdown breakdown in my apartment, went home for a couple days to surprise my dad for his birthday, and then couldn't get back on a plane back to New York because I realized I was off my path and I knew I always wanted to act. Uh, And I also knew I always wanted to be able to paint and draw. And that's how photography kind of came into
0: it because I don't think I ever got that skill. My camera lets me do it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's an incredible story. So, but here's my thing. You're incredibly brave because a lot of people have those breakdown moments where they're on the ground pounding the floor, asking God why this is happening to them, and yet they still get up and go to work the next day to a job that they know doesn't fulfill their soul. How can that person get the courage that you found to do what they have to do in order to walk the path that they know that they're meant for?
1: My courage comes from fear of regret and not doing everything in my power to live my best life. So what someone could do in that moment, I think, is be very honest with themselves of if they were to stay on this path, that's possibly the cause of why they're crying on the floor, asking God, why is this happening to me? If they can look at their path of like, if I stayed on this, what would happen? And if I stayed on this, what would happen? And usually what it is, is even though the other path, the unknown path is petrifying, it's never going to be worse than the path you're already on and that you are unhappy with. I think that if you have the courage to ask yourself, why am I in this position and maybe take responsibility for it, but also get excited by switching it up and having some control in your life, you can get on to something that's more true to your essence and what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Is that how you go about disarming fear in general, just focusing on what my options actually are? Do you get really logical about it? Yes,
1: Uh, which I'm celebrating and also hating at the same time. The whole way Bite the Bullet stories came about was a need for me to create something a bit deeper than what I was doing with my photography. And so I got really in my head about, okay, I have a camera. I have the power to create images and a message. What do I want to say? And I thought for about three years before I actually put it into action and I created this thing called the Bang Bang, which launched last... April, um, I had my first show for it and I was so heady about it and it had to be so perfect that I was jailed within my own art, but I convinced myself that it was so that each image was perfect and the message that in each image, So basically what it was I should go back was it was almost like photojournalism meets Mm -hmm. editorial photography. So I would take a photo that could look like an ad campaign for Gucci shoes, but really it was dealing with sociopolitical issues. But the thing that happened out of that was bite the bullet stories, which I had no control over and didn't plan on doing, uh, which happened from trying to promote the bang bang because it uses the word the bang bang. I didn't want people to think I was glamorizing gun violence or oh, anything. I thought you like were talking
0: that. about sex. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, the bang bang. Let me get in on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it was really. Uh, Uh, But basically trying to control everything, I created the bang bang, which I'm proud of because I really put my whole heart and a lot of thought into it. But the thing that's actually fulfilling me the most and that has gained the most traction is bite the bullet stories, which is something I would have never found without the bang bang. But it's the one project that I can't control and has taken a life of its own. And I'm letting myself surrender to this creative process. Yeah. Does that answer the
0: question? (laughs) I think so. I don't even remember the original question, but that gave me lots of good material. So, (laughs) okay. So much. Jailed within your own art. How does that feel? And I know you're still kind of working on the bang bang in a way, right? Because I was clicking through all your different pages last night and I saw it. So how do you know when it's time to like let go of something and how does it feel to be jailed in your art and how do you let go for something greater? I mean, it sounds like you didn't have a choice. It's funny because I was working with an art consultant for the Bang Bang and she kept being like, no, you need to
1: just do this as a series. And I'm like, no, it's not a series. Like, this is my life's work. I'm going to be doing this until I'm 70. Like, the Bang Bang is my thing. Like, don't, and I kept feeling I was smarter than her. And she's like, mm, no, you should just like, don't limit yourself. Like, you should make it just a one of a kind thing. Like, do this show. And I'm like, no, this is the first show of like 80. I'm going to be in the MoMA with this. You know, <laughs> I was like, really... But I was really
0: jailed within it. So, what was the other part of the question? So, when you're jailed within it, um, how, do you, how do you get out of it? Like, how do you break out of that creative jail for something greater? Because then you said it, you had no control. What does that mean? And that's a good thing, right? Because that to me, that means you were in flow. I was
1: in flow, and I broke out of it by listening to my gut and what I wanted to do versus what I thought the world wanted to see. Ooh. And so it taps me into what my strengths were. And it's kind of comical now that I look back on it. I've never been a very political person. Uh, so to try and do this artwork that was supposed to send a message to the world and political leaders about what's going on in power and corruption wasn't really my thing what my strength is and what it ended up developing into was bite the bullet stories which is um I so genuinely care about people's stories and I absolutely I feel a lot of pain for people who have shame in their lives for things that they're either going through or have done or have not done yet like it physically pains me and so my and I think one of the reasons I was good at what I do as a photographer is being able to connect to somebody and like really be in the moment with them and so bite the bullet is way more it's my way to start a conversation on important issues and tap into a creative work that can have an impact by just honest sincere conversations um, as opposed to Trying
0: to reinvent the wheel, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Totally. It was more authentic to you and it was more honest. I think all good art and creativity is based in truth. Yes. And when you're telling the truth for yourself, it's going to connect to someone else. People can feel it if you're trying to sell something. Yes. Even if you're doing it from a good place. Mm-hmm. But when you're just in that flow and you're creating things because you have to, mm-hmm. it's going to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that. Something I've been thinking about a lot too with this is, you know, we have a purpose that's very career driven, like, you know, oh, I want to be an actress or I want to be a photographer. But I think we also have a life purpose, which if you if you studied acting, you know, one thing they talk about is your super objective, which is the one sentence, basically a thesis statement for someone's life that guides and is the filter for everything they do. Mm-hmm. What do you think is your super objective? To
1: build self-worth and I think make humanity one. I I really hate that we're all in this world together, but there are so so many things that separate people and create um, anger and hatred. And I think what I'm really driven by is like, no, we're all the same. We all have the same issues. If we could just remove this veil of shame or fear of criticism and start talking about these things, I, you know, there'd be less wars. And this is my very like left dreamer side, you know, it's kind of like a John Lennon thing of like, but what if there could just be peace in this world? And I think that starts with people being one, honest with themselves and two, being um, empathetic to their neighbor and what someone else may be going through. I feel like that is, a very true thing to me. Like it actually like it, I feel the the passion and pain of it in my bones and my veins at a lot of times. Like I can look at someone across a coffee shop and like build a whole story of what they may be going through and I don't feel good unless I'm able to kind of somehow make their day like on a vibrational level better, whether it's through a smile or buying them a cup of coffee or I just feel like it's to like make people feel like they're not alone.
0: Definitely. That's one one of the tenets of my Life purpose, too, is to make people feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah, and seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, so many people, I think because there are so many voices out there now, it seems like we should feel more connected and more seen than ever, but I think we feel more isolated and more in the shadows than ever before. Yeah. Because we're not having those moments in coffee shops. So it's really important to stop and even like just send someone a prayer of good energy or... You know, like you said, buy them a coffee or ask them how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Be curious. Mm
1: -hmm. That's exactly why I started Bite the Bullet Stories because I think We're more connected than ever or we think we're more connected than ever, but we are constantly seeing images of people's perfect lives, uh, their perfect selves. And so you can be at home and feel less than because you're just looking at everyone's highlight reel and it creates this thing of shame of like, why aren't I there yet? Mm -hmm. Why hasn't this happened? Why don't I look like that? But the reality is the people who are posting those photos of their perfect lives, they are not happy either. And this is where like my revolutionary thing came in of like where I realized I needed to create this project was everyone that I had admired and looked up to and thought, oh, it must be so easy for them. I, if I was photographing them, they would talk about their own struggles and you're like, but you don't show that your life looks perfect. And like, why can't well, like, why aren't you showing this other side? And just because I think human nature is to show your best and we all want to be positive and live our best lives and positivity breeds positivity. But inside there's always a struggle and everyone has their struggles. And so it's so easy to feel alone in them. But if we can start getting people to talk about what it is they're going through, we're all going to feel less alone because we're not in coffee shops right. with people anymore. And if we are, we're on our phone. Like the, mm-hmm. that's the
0: reality. And so, loneliness, I think, is it's a killer. It's yeah. a it's an epidemic. When you do start a project, though, I mean, I know that you said that you had no choice and it felt very much in flow. But there are always roadblocks that come up. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what some of the biggest roadblocks that have come up for bite the bullet have been and how you've overcome them and tips for other people who are starting new projects.
1: So this project, I think I should kind of explain what happened. So I had an art show and to
0: for to, bang bang for
1: bang bang and to promote it before it came out, I would have friends take a bullet shell, bite it and say I'm biting the bullet to say your words matter. It was like a simple one sentence thing. Little things to be like we're all human, we're all connected. And I as I was doing it, I had more fun doing any of that than the art photography I was doing. And so it took off, mostly probably because my passion was behind it and people saw that. But it, it happened at such a rate that I won, um, couldn't sleep because I didn't want to sleep. So I kept photographing people and I started making their stories longer. So on Instagram, you can have 370 words. So I was like, okay, write a 370 word, like, story on why this issue is important to you. And I let passion drive me, uh, which I am so thrilled about because I can get in my head about strategy. And anyways, long story short, the roadblocks I hit were how do you sustain something? How do you let passion guide you when Ultimately, what a lot of people don't talk about is how are you doing it? How are you paying your rent? How are you paying for your car payments? How are you renting your photo studio? How are you paying your makeup artist? How are you buying your coffee in the morning if you're putting everything into your art? And so I, all of a sudden, like, I was like, it's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna work out. Everything's gonna work out. But there was a day I looked at my bank account to send, like, email transfer my rent. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm tapped out. And I just, like... I – and I have been a saver, like, since I was six – like, I'm going to cry about it now. But, like, it – I felt so much shame because you're putting up this, like, facade on Instagram. I fell into my own shit of, like, why is everyone trying to make it look so perfect and easy? But that's what I was doing. Like, oh, bite the butt. I'm shooting so-and-so today. But I would be, like, I don't have – like I like I put myself into so much debt and I was like, but I couldn't stop. And I'm like, it's not an option to stop. And there has to be a way through this. And so I think one thing people don't talk about is like, how do you do it? How do you merge the business end and the creative end, especially when you're in the beginning before it's exciting? And that can be for anything. It can be for your acting classes, your canvases to paint on. So that is a big roadblock that I'm still maneuvering through, but I think passion gets you through anything. Um, and so I had to start a crowdfunding campaign, <laughs> uh, which I was so embarrassed to do. I felt like one, I felt embarrassed for myself that I was there. And even in my campaign, like this is probably the first time I'm coming up publicly to be like, no, I, I put myself in debt. I had to do that crowdfunding campaign. Cause I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent next month. Like it was such a stressful thing. And I felt like I was embarrassing my husband, because, like, we both work in the industry and everything looks great. But, like, you can go months without work and then you can work a lot. And, like, our our living, our cost of living is expensive because of how we have to live between a few different cities and all that. But I felt like you you just feel so much shame. And so I had someone say you should do a, a crowdfunding campaign. I was going to try and get an investor. And I didn't even know how I was going to try to pitch Bite the Bullet stories or something for someone to invest in. And I have grand plans for this project. But someone said do crowdfunding. And I felt like that was putting your money or your hands out there and begging on the street. And I, I, I really struggled with it. But I did it. And the beautiful thing I found about humanity is like people want to help you. Like people really want to see you succeed and they want to help. And so we've raised almost $27,000 from people all over the world. Like I, I remember I made these little like perks, these little necklaces with bullet shells on them or like Which thank you cards. Which are very cute, by the
0: way. You're wearing <laughs> one right now. And where can people go to find those? Uh, com. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to get one. They're Gorgeous! <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> Shipping these perks out to people who don't know who you are, but believe in what you're doing, and sending things to Australia, Germany, like South America, like all over the world. I was like, wow, like humanity is beautiful. And so, um, that's how I got over that roadblock. I'm, and so for a few. Once it allowed me to kind of like gather things, continue to shoot, to gather stories. But I'm very quickly getting back to that same stage. it's a really tricky thing of how do you – you have to invest in yourself, which I've done. And But the beauty that happened from all of this, and I really hope someone out there listening can can learn from all this, it took my fear away. Like everything is going to be okay. And you can – I felt like – I'm just going to be straight up. I hope I don't regret this. But what had happened was I had money in the bank and I'm shooting and I'm a workaholic. I put myself over $20,000 in debt just from not working properly and deciding to devote myself to this project. And bills add up quick. Like it's crazy how fast that all happened. And so I realized there's no difference if you have good credit, I guess, is what like saved me. But like having – $5,000 in the bank or minus $10,000 in the bank makes no fucking difference. Especially if I was waking up happier with minus $15,000 in the bank than I was when I had $35,000 in the bank. I was so much happier and I really learned that it doesn't matter. And so if you can take away this element of fear, everything opens up. And it's scary and you feel alone in it. But my God, the way the world has opened up to me and with this project is I I would do it all over again. And I will probably put myself even more in debt to continue doing it. Like, and I will get out of it. And I have gotten out of it a couple of times, but it's like, I'm not going to stop my desire out of fear of the man because, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what a lot of people do. And then they rob themselves of what they are meant to do in
0: this world. Ooh, that was so powerful. <laughs> I would like to take a moment for your courageous vulnerability. Thank you. Thanks. And people don't talk about that enough. There's a lot while we we're here to talk about and and really worship creativity. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. And like I, for me, my greatest heartbreaks have all come as a result of my creative passions and failures. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to thank you for sharing that because it's an important story to tell, but it's also important to tell that even when you do have those heartbreaks, you can move on Mm -hmm. and you can ask for help. That's Mm -hmm. the greatest takeaway from that for me is the only reason this podcast is happening is because I asked for help. I asked my friend Juliet, who's helping us produce this show. For help, I asked my friend Liz to write music. I asked this group I was a part of to create my podcast art. I was so scared to ask for help and admit that I didn't know everything, that I almost didn't do something that was so important. That's exactly it. You know, and it's like, that would be such a shame. And how did you feel
1: when you asked? Like the first time you either asked Juliet or the person who was helping you with music, did you feel ill doing it? Like how did it feel?
0: The first time I did, I was. I felt embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I feel embarrassed a lot. Still, I'm getting a lot better because I think that this is my bite the bullet. It's mm-hmm. like the first time in my life where I, when I, after like the first couple times when I do ask for help now, I'm like, this is cool because you get to be on the bandwagon for this amazing thing that's going to help people. But I felt really embarrassed. I felt really shameful in the beginning. Still sometimes, of course. And I felt unworthy in a weird way too. That's- yeah.
1: It's the biggest thing that I tapped into with the bullet stories.
0: Everyone's story, whether they're talking about having been
1: bullied, addiction, depression, um, whether they do self-harm, no matter what the topic is, it all comes down to people's self-worth. And one thing that I'm fascinated to to learn more about is it's our own self-worth that will either make us flourish or fail. And um, unfortunately, the thing is people let it take them down uh, and they become their own worst enemy. And you think everyone else is stamping you with what they think your self-worth is, but it's you doing it to yourself. And no one – people are too busy in their life to be stamping you with anything. They're stamping themselves with their own worth. Self-worth, it is so important to have respect for yourself. And I think this is why we kind of talked about this before we started recording was I think everyone is a creative and I think that if you can tap into whatever angle that is, you will be so fulfilled and you will find worth and excitement because we're all worthy. No matter what we're doing or where we're at in our life, we are all so
0: beautifully worthy of everything that this world has to offer. Absolutely. I always say creativity is your God-given right. It's your God-given right. And it's time for you to claim it. Yeah, you know you've waited long enough. No matter how old you are, if you're six months old or if you're 93, totally, it's your it's your time to claim it and to stand in that power and say I am enough. Mm -hmm. So thank you for creating a platform where people can do that. It's powerful, and you are gonna make it back. And tenfold because of what you're doing, the intention behind it. I think when intentions are pure, it can't help but go somewhere. Even if that is that it leads you to a different thing, it's just going to keep unfolding and unfolding yeah. and unfolding until you are exactly where you're meant to be.
1: Yeah. And you know, you say this thing, what I would tell my five year old self, I just,
0: yeah, so you yeah. Let's ask skip me that, to that. later.
1: <laughs> it would be what you said: of put out B plus work. Yeah. Because when you start working, things start unfolding, and you can't know I'm at A and I want to be at B. Get B out of your mind. Just know I'm at A, and I really enjoy doing this, so I'm going to do it. And you will be so much further than B. You will be all the way at Z or some alphabet that has more than twenty six characters. <laughs> Let your <laughs> Let yourself do this B plus work and just enjoy it and see what unfolds because it there is something so magical. The Year of Magical Thinking.
0: Is that this year? No. Because oh. oh. it <laughs> feels like it's 2019, honey
1: <laughs> buns. There's a book called The Year yeah. of
0: Magical Thinking. I was and it's like, so. I feel like Harry fucking Potter right now. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Lumos. That was the only thing I could think of in the moment. what was it so it's a book called Uh, the year magical Magical thinking
1: Thinking, and uh it's about how the universe we're all creative beings we are a creation so we're all creative beings and so you can get an idea at one point i mean we all get multiple ideas all the time but like if you are an idea hits you you're like oh that's really cool i should run with that you can um choose to run with it or not and if you don't run with it have you ever noticed you're like oh man I had that idea and this person's doing it now. I should have done it, whether it's an invention or an creative endeavor. And this the whole theory is that the creative gods, I guess you can call them, the creative gods can be like, you know what, you might be the right vessel for this idea here. And if you don't run with it, they're going to take it away from you and give it to someone else. And so sometimes when you get an idea, it's because it might even be your responsibility to go with it if it feels in line with what you want to do. And I think that's what the the importance is of just creating. If you enjoy doing something, just
0: go with it and stop worrying about the results. Just do B plus work. Yeah. And be excited for every small victory. Like yeah. the first listen I got, I was like, I got a <laughs> listen! Yeah. Somebody's yeah. listening to my podcast, yeah. you know? It's like every, when you're in the flow, when you're doing the right thing, every little step feels like God's just hugging you and mm-hmm. saying, hey, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Good job.
1: Yeah. And don't forget it either. When you get to like higher levels, like never lose that appreciation or forget that hug that's around you. Yeah. Because you'll continue to succeed with that
0: appreciation. Yeah. Gratitude is Mm -hmm. key. Mm -hmm. So you're also an actress, which we touched on quite a bit, but I'm interested because I'm also a multi-hyphenate, multi-hyphenate life. Nice to meet you. (laughs) So great to be here. You know, a lot of people struggle with understanding people who I call slashers that we do this slash this Mm. slash this. And how do you deal with existing in multiple spaces and people being like, so what do you really do? Oh, my God.
1: Because it know, makes me want
0: to open fire. I'll be honest.
1: <laughs> it's Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because that person who went into fashion design because it was safer and more respectable for some reason in my mind, I will still do that where people are like, what do you do? I'll become like, a photographer. I, I feel weird being like I'm an actor because I feel like it's like if they don't recognize you, yeah. then so you're nobody. You yes. Yeah, totally. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: I find a lot of pride in it. Um, I don't mind saying it out publicly. Like I'm an actor, I'm a photographer, I do this, that. What I sometimes struggle with is what if I had just stuck to one? What if I just put all my focus into one? And so I had the hardest time for years balancing photography and acting because I'd put my attention into one and it would start to flourish and the other would kind of start – to fade away. And then I'd go back and I didn't know how to let both flourish at the same time. And what I realized was they flourished way more when I had the other. When I was just an actor I couldn't book a one-liner to save my life. Like I probably went on 36 auditions and book zero. And then once I started shooting photography I started booking all this acting work. And I was like, but I don't have time to act I'm a photographer. I have all these things coming, all these shoots coming in. And then I slowly took the acting away and just went into the photography. And then I got uninspired with my photography work. So I was like, well, screw this. I'm going to start acting. And then I got so inspired with my photography work. And then all the photography came in. And long story short, what I find is I personally need more than one thing to focus on creatively so that you don't get too in your head and self-sabotage or feel bad when one isn't Working out as well as you would want it to if it was your only thing. And I have talked to so many creatives, and it's the exact same thing. All of my friends who are actors, but they're not just actors, they have some other outlet, they work more than anyone else. And and no matter if you're a a writer, director, whatever is, if you have something else that makes you happy and can get you out of your head of I need this, I need this, well, then you're not creating. You're like trying to fulfill some kind of thing in your ego. But if you can find a creative outlet that lets you just open up that vessel, you flourish in both things. Like
0: that's what I have found. So I have found I'm better to have two things than just one. I totally agree because when the eggs are like shifting out of one basket, they can go into another, you know? Yeah. But like, how do you deal with when you are introducing yourself and you kind of get squirmish about saying that you're an actress, how are you pushing through and, and boldly saying, hey, I'm a photographer and an actress, pleased to meet you? I don't have the answer to that yet. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is about like claiming that that's so difficult? Because I also sometimes when I'm in one space feel – embarrassed or shameful in a weird way. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but shameful to say, I also do this. Mm -hmm. I push myself through because I'm like, it could be an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But totally. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And and it kind of comes back to this self-worth thing where no
1: one's actually caring or judging as much as we think they're going to. Usually it's like, that's so cool. You do both those things. I would love to have even one of those things to do. And so... I think it's self-worth and it depends on some days you might be a lot more confident to say, well, I'm podcasting and I'm a singer and all that because you're in motion of all those things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's on the days when someone asks you and you don't feel grounded. What do you do? You f- you feel or I feel sometimes like a dreamer? I don't know. I haven't – it's a really interesting question because I used to struggle with it. I don't anymore except you just put the mirror in my face. I think a lot of the times I'll just resort to I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm because of the preconceived notions, especially in LA, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm an actor because everyone's an actor here. And then you're just like some, just like everybody else. And what, what interesting topic can come out of I'm an actor, except for, yeah, I was just on this show. I don't know. It's, I'm going to have
0: to do some homework. Can yeah. I get back to you? Yeah, please. <laughs> and come back for another episode. We'll talk all about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk, go back to like following yeses though, because you had quite a few yeses when it came to the fashion how do you know when the yeses aren't actually for you? Oh, my God. You're you. Ta- okay. So
1: I know now they weren't for me because I – how far do we go? I think when you're not in line with what you want to do, you're not happy. And so when I was doing the fashion design, I remember uh, going to the fridge a lot and eating a lot and doing a lot of things to try to avoid the work that I was supposed to do that I love doing and I was so proud to do. <laughs> but like I had – I was not happy doing it. And I remember constantly going to the fridge to the point that, yeah, I think, well, not I think, I did. I started an eating disorder because you'd feel like, why did I eat all that and shame? And then it just spiraled this whole thing. And then I got myself out of it after a few years. But the reason it's so crazy that you're bringing that up is I just last week faced those feelings again and I've caught myself and I haven't had that in like, I don't know, eight years where I caught myself constantly going to the fridge and eating and not wanting to get out of bed, but being like, I'm so grateful and I love what I'm doing. But I, my body was like screaming and kicking to get me out of a scenario. And what it was, I'm trying to create my business plan for bite the bullet stories. And it was so not the creative thing. I can sit in front of Final Cut Pro and spend weeks trying to learn how to edit a video. And I love it. It's technical, but I love it. But something about having to do this business plan made me realize I haven't felt that since I was doing fashion design and working for fashion. Whereas rather than someone be like, hey, can you design this shoe and replace this buckle with a bow? Or some people like, yes, I love it. And with this bow, I'm going to do this and that. I was like, sure. And my whole, I stopped breathing. I felt tight in my throat, my stomach tangled. And then I would just keep eating to try and numb it. And I, I think, I mean, for me, that's how I so your body and, uh, told you. My body. Oh, and I got sick. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I got so sick. so many, Oh, my God. This, wow, you're like a doctor. <laughs> I would get to the point where I'd get these um, abscesses in my stomach and I've had to
0: have surgeries for it. That's so you funny. You know, the gut's a second brain. It makes sense that it's all tied to your stomach too because there's an intelligence just in your gut. Most of the serotonin that we have is in our gut. Oh, interesting. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I had a lot of digestive, I mean, I still am working through them, but I had a lot of digestive issues when I was in a really big depression in my life, yeah. but I didn't know I was depressed. It was the same time I, I was I didn't know I was black. either. But all, I just had acid reflux. Sorry guys, you're going to know this now. I had <laughs> diarrhea all the time. It was really bad. And mm-hmm. it, it wasn't until I got out of that situation that some of those stomach issues started subsiding. It's like
1: I was in my fashion job and uh it was a shoe show, a show, shoe show, shoe show. <laughs> it was a shoe show. <laughs> There's all these buyers coming through our showroom and I was curled under my desk in New York and my employer had to call an ambulance for me because I had these stomach pains that were so crazy. And I didn't know years later what had happened, but my ovary had torted. What does that mean? It twisted like <sighs> it like... Like, like it like was when ringing you ring, out? Yeah, like when you ring a thing. So, okay, they rushed me to the hospital in an ambulance and then whatever, I get there and they release me after a day or something or two days, I don't remember. And that was the first sign of I'm not happy with what I was doing. That's the first time my body ever was speaking to me. And then a few years later when I came back to Vancouver, the same thing happened three times but the but worse. So the first time they had to do like – they had to actually operate because I was getting I was getting abscesses on my, like,
0: so much information, but I have no shame.
1: I was getting tubal ovarian abscesses. So for whatever reason, whenever I get stressed out, it affects my reproductive system.
0: Well, you know, the reproductive system is directly connected to creativity. Shut that. That's where the passion and the creativity chakra are. Really? So your sexuality and your creativity are completely intertwined. So if you're shutting it down, if you're twisting yourself to fit into somebody else's box, it makes a lot of sense that your body was twisting Mm -hmm. to try to fit what you were doing So
1: okay so the first time it happened I was like putting myself in a producer role and I was convincing myself I loved it and whatever but then same thing happened so uh, the stomach pains I go to the hospital they realize what it is they kept me there for like 10 days before they finally operated but when they did the first uh was it like um ultrasound Uh, ultrasound yeah they're like Oh, no, no, no. When they did the surgery to drain the abscess, it was on the right side. The doctor goes, did you know that your left ovary was torted? We had to untwist it. And I was like, huh? She's like, did you ever have issues with the left side of your stomach with like stomach pains? And I was like, oh, yeah, this one time in New York. And then – so that was twice. And then I moved to New York and it happened to me again because I was off my path of one – this is like – it would take seven podcasts to tell the whole story. But it happened again. So the abscess thing happens and then they actually ended up having to remove my ovary. Uh, no my fallopian tube they removed my fallopian tube so three times that happened where I was attacking my stomach over and every time it was when I was not on my right path creatively it was when I was trying to put myself into a role that I convinced myself would be the right thing to do
0: That is, I'm so sorry you went through all that. That's like (laughs) medical hell. But I do want to pause and just say to anyone listening, if your body is malfunctioning in any way, it is trying to teach you something. Whether it's about your creative life or your relationship, there's something going on that your body is trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. So if you have something going on, really dig in and ask what is happening outside of your physical, or in your physical surroundings, but also your spiritual, emotional surroundings that could be informing how it's mm-hmm. manifesting in your body? It's forcing you to stop and reevaluate.
1: That's yeah. what happens. You get you. It gets you to a point of being so ill that you have to just sit with yourself mm-hmm.
0: and reevaluate. And I think life is trying to tell you get on your path. Get on your path already. <laughs> we know you can do it. Yeah, I d- I do think mental health is something that I mean to me it's number one in my life because if I don't have my mental health, I don't have my physical health, I don't mm-hmm. have my career, I don't have relationships. Mm-hmm. So. What have been your mental health battles, if any? And what's your advice to other creatives out there who are working for their own mental health? I think it all starts with being kind to yourself and not
1: being your worst enemy. But mental health, there, it can be as small as just being hard on yourself and not feeling good to full-blown depression to maybe it's not circumstantial depression. You might actually be clinically depressed or bipolar. And when I feel myself... Getting emotional about it. The reason I'm being hesitant here is so mental health is pretty serious in my family. And I think I've always lived feeling it never really touched me like my I have a sister who uh, is bipolar. And uh, she was diagnosed with depression when I was just 12. She was 16. I don't think it's right for me to come out and speak on other people's behalf than my family, but it's it's around. And I think I always felt guilty that I didn't have it and that I would stop myself from succeeding because I would make them jealous that maybe they hadn't reached their potential. But looking back on things, I think I did have depression and I didn't listen to it, which would have stemmed my whole eating disorder thing. And it, I tried to pretend I had control over the depression and hence why I think it started to attack my body. So when I now today, like 10 years later from all of that drama, find myself going through depression, I let myself go through it. I think that there's like a really fine line in my brain where I'm, I could potentially have it because it's a genetic thing. But I've chosen to believe I have control over it and this firm belief of everything happens in waves. So the lower I'm feeling today or this week or even this month or if it lasts a year. I know the flip side is it's just going to go up and be that much better. Everything in life balances out. So if you're in a low, if you decide to not let it overcome you and you're proactive on how to get through it, it will swing back the other way and you will have more happiness than you had before you hit that low. And I'm a f- I'm I'm a firm believer in that no matter even like no matter how stressful Anything is, whether it's depression or circumstantial stuff, like, you know, putting yourself into debt. I'm like, no, it's all going to work out. It's going to swing back. The pendulum always swings back. Uh, and that's how I get myself through it. That's great advice. Thank you.
0: So I just want to go back to little Farah one more time. <laughs> we got the advice you would give to her, right?
1: Mm-hmm. be plus work.
0: Be plus work. What do you think she would say to you and why? I think she would say
1: why did you squash me for so long? Yeah. I got chills. I think she would say, why did you try to hide me and fit into this mold of something that you're not? And I think she'd say, it's nice to see you again. (laughs) Uh, I I only in the last couple of years, I think I really tap back into who my true essence was rather than trying to be, you know, the Instagram perfect or whatever. I'm using the word Instagram, but it, yeah, it just had that problem. Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you get to a point where you just can't keep that up and you're not being true to yourself. And I just noticed, started to notice that people celebrated my more quirky fun side and that I now had no defenses and my heart was on my sleeve and, and I, I was just living a more pure life. And that's going back to who she
0: was at five. Hi. (laughs) I'm glad you're honoring her. She deserves it. And thank you for bearing your soul today. You're an amazing woman. Thank you. And I really appreciate everything you're doing.
1: Thank you. And I appreciate this podcast that you're doing. It's so important for people to hear. It's so important. It's one of these podcasts that you're like, why hasn't this been around before? Like, I listen nonstop to... Goop and Be Your Own Boss. Those are my two podcasts. I'm always like, what? There's no new episodes? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And I'm constantly searching, trying to find new things. I'm like, yeah, there's good podcasts out there. But what you're doing is exactly what I was looking for. It is the perfect amount of positivity, motivation, and um, each story has an an emotional thing to it that is real and inspiring. And we're all human and we're all in this together. I just think
0: that this podcast deserves to be heard all across the world we're gonna spread it bit by bit we're gonna spread bite the bullet and we're gonna spread unleash your inner creative and everybody's gonna feel seen and heard and loved and we believe in them yeah love you love you Thank you so much for listening and to Farrah Viva for being an amazing guest. For more info on her, follow her at Bite the Bullet Stories and at Farrah on Instagram. That's at F A R R A H A V I V A and you can go to Bite the Bullet stories.com. Thanks to Liz Full for the beautiful theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. Thanks to Juliette Vibear for your creative help. Follow her at Bonjour Juliette. To keep in touch with the show, follow at Unleash Your Inner Creative at YouAreInnerCreative on Twitter, and you can join our Facebook community by searching Unleash Creative Community. You can find me at Lauren LaGrasso everywhere. Thank you again for listening and for being a part of this show. If you like what you heard, remember to rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. My biggest takeaway from today is that we absolutely have to ask for help in order to achieve creative success. And we need to talk about the hardships, too, because it demystifies it for other people. My wish for you this week is that you ask for the help that you need and that you lend your help to someone else. I believe in you. Talk soon.